Uh, we are in a series, a three-week series on community. And over the next uh, three weeks, I'm going to be talking about coming, growing, and going. The, the, the title of this message is Welcome Home. Okay, so if you're taking notes, the title of the message is Welcome Home. But over the next three weeks, we want to talk about uh, the philosophy that we have here at Embassy City Church as it relates to how we want to uh, come, grow, and go as a community. And so the first uh, in this is called Welcome Home. So Psalms chapter number 84, uh, I want to read the first four verses. Uh, David, take notes, guys, uh, is the most romantic, uh, poetic person uh, in the Bible. I mean, if you, if you had a loss of words and you want to get something romantic to say, go find, <laughs> go, go find if, you, if you need to know like some loving stuff to say, uh, go to Psalms. And if you need to apologize, go to Psalms. Uh, nobody repents like David repents. After he repents, the only thing you can do is forgive the guy. You're like, listen, you know what? It wasn't that bad. I'm going to let you still be king. Okay. So uh, Psalms 84, one through four says this, how lovely is your dwelling place. He's talking about home. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. That already is over the top. Not only do I long, I faint with longing. So I fall out, wake, come to my conscious self, and then long again, okay? Uh, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord with my whole being, body, and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at the place near your altar. O Lord of heaven's armies, my King and my God, what joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. So I'm going to talk about welcome home. Bow your heads. Let's pray over the word, shall we? God, help us to love being home. Amen. So uh, uh, I am, uh, last week I talked about, if you were here and you heard the message last week, I talked about uh, the fact that before I gave my life to Jesus, I used to be a party guy. I, I went clubbing a lot. I was just always uh, in the streets, not doing anything bad, but I just loved being out and in the clubs. And when I gave my life to Jesus, it started a change in my life, uh, and I became incredibly domesticated. If you waved a wand over me now, uh, and there was a big plume of smoke. Once it dissipated, you would find a little fluffy house cat that's declawed, uh, that knows exactly where his litter box is, and would never uh, be in the way. I, I love being home. Anybody like me, you just like being at the house. Like, I get home, and once I get home, I'm not coming back out. Like, it's just, that's just it. I'm not coming out. I'm putting on some sweats. I'm putting on a very comfortable shirt, and I've probably worn the sweats seven days in a row. Don't judge me. I'm in my own house, okay? Uh, <laughs> Uh, but I, I put on uh, some comfortable clothes. I sit down in my favorite chair. I have my family around me. My boys around me. It's fantastic. Sometimes uh, uh, when I get home, uh, actually this is all the time when I get home, my boys, um, they greet me. And, and they greet me in a very, very enthusiastic way. So I walk through the door and I don't even know when we started this, but now Nathan and Noah go uh, to the other side of the house and stand by uh, the door that leads into the backyard. And they stand there, and as soon as I come in, as soon as I turn the corner and I can see them across the living room uh, by the door that goes into the backyard, uh, we do this rock like this. So I start rocking, and then they start rocking. 
And then uh, they take off running full speed, one at a time, because I can't do it with both of them at the same time. I'm not that good. Uh, they take off running full speed, and they just dive into my arms. Daddy! And I give them a big hug. They try to choke me to death. Uh, and then I gain my breath, and then I have to sit, sit up for the next one, and we rock. Okay? He takes off. Daddy! Jumps into my arms, and give him a big hug. They try to choke the life out of me. I put him down. Uh, now, it, it started with Nathan and Noah, but now my wife, Juliet, <laughs> is the third person that lines up. And she rocks, and she runs full speed, and she does call me daddy. Okay. She runs full speed, jumps up into my arms, and I catch her. And she squeezes me, and I hold her, because I do squats, okay? <laughs> so I don't fall down. I'm not like, oh, God. I mean, I do squats for a reason, okay? When you have that kind of reception, why would you leave home? <laughs> like, after the, when I get home, the phone gets ignored. I lose consciousness that I'm a pastor. I'm just daddy and husband, and I love it. I love being home. And if home doesn't feel like that to you, if it, if it hasn't been that way to you, my prayer is that you feel like that when you get home. That you don't avoid it or try to stay out later. I pray that everyone works on their home life as well as they work on their spiritual life. So that's a place that you look forward to that when you get there, you know, I'm home. That's what I do when I get home. I'm home. And our prayer is that when you come to Embassy City Church, you have the same type of feeling. And when you walk through the doors and you sit down, you just go, I'm home. That's why it's structured the way it's structured. That's why we do what we do, because we want this to be a place where both residents and visitors feel like they can come home. So there's three things that I want to talk about uh, in this message. The three things I love about being home. Okay, so if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. The three things I love about being home. I love them. Uh, and, and, I, and I think that you should love these three things too, okay? So, uh, point number one, I'm loved here. One of the reasons I love coming home is because I'm loved here. And here's what it says in Psalm 52 and verse number eight. And this is David in contrast, uh, he's speaking about people. He makes this response in verse eight to people who don't put their trust in the Lord and are enemies of the Lord. He says, but I am like an olive tree thriving in the house of God I will always trust in God's unfailing love. The reason why you can thrive in the house of God is because you feel loved. That when we come together as a community, when you walk through the doors, you should feel like, you know what? I've been noticed and I'm loved. I have some friends of mine that as we're starting, this is a new church, we're in our fifth month. And so I have uh, some secret shoppers that come by time to time, 
and uh, they'll come in and be a part of our worship experience. And I'll ask them very uh, honestly, hey, be very candid with me. What was the thing you liked the most? What was the thing you didn't like the most? And what's some things that we can work on? We don't, we don't know everything. We don't have it all together. And, and, and we're trying to uh, grow and develop and, and make this uh, the best experience that people can have on the weekend. And so uh, uh, one of my friends came over and he said, oh, man, the service were great, and I enjoyed the worship. I enjoyed the word. He was like, man, I got to tell you something, though. He was like, I don't even know how to phrase this. He was like, but um, like when I walked in, uh, uh, the person at the door greeted me and, and gave me a hug. And I was like, okay, yeah. And they were like, and then the person next to them, um, I went to shake their head. They gave me a hug. And I was like, uh-huh, yeah. And then they was like, and then the next person, <laughs> next person reached out to hug me, and, 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 and then I, and I had a third hug. And he said, and I looked down, there were five more people. <laughs> and they were all like, <laughs> he was like, you know, it was a little overwhelming. He said, and so, you, you know, I don't, I mean, like, I don't know if this is a critique or like, maybe ask them to kind of calm down. Like, maybe they can like back down a little bit because I just felt overwhelmed by everybody trying to hug and shake my hand. And I was like, mm-hmm, yeah, that's never going to stop. Because do you know how many people go to work, come home, and unfortunately go to church and can walk right in and right out and no one has noticed them? I'd rather be known for giving too much love <laughs> than not enough. One of the reasons why I like coming home is because I'm loved, I'm noticed. I'm seen. I would hate to walk in my house and be waiting for the rock. And my kids are zombified by their glowing tablet that lights up. Or watching TV or too busy with dinner to even notice that I came home. And so our prayer is, and I, and I hope that we never stop doing this, we see you. <laughs> so when you come home, you should feel Loved. Point number two, write this down. I learn here. I learn here. So in Psalm 119, verse number seven, it says this. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. Here's what verse, uh, this is what Proverbs 9 and 9 says. Instruct the wise and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous, and they will learn even more. Here's what happens when you're home. You learn. My wife and I are actually homeschooling my two boys, Nathan and Noah. And it's just our personal preference. We don't see anything wrong with public school. We just felt the way we're wired and for our lifestyle it would be better to homeschool our kids. And so they're learning in our home what our value system is, how we live our lives, and how we would like them to reflect our values when they're around others. They're learning that in our house. We get to teach that to them. And they're growing, they're learning, and when they make mistakes, we just tweak them. We don't have to discipline them or come down hard on them every time they make a mistake because in a loving environment, 
when you're learning, sometimes you don't get it right. And, and in a loving home, there should be enough what I call grace space that they can bump around a little bit and get some things wrong and it not mean their own punishment for the rest of the year. What I don't believe in and what we will never do is condescend people. Because I think people are intelligent. I think people can learn what they want to learn and they make the decision if they want to grow or not. So I want you to see something still under point number two, but in Proverbs 18, verse number 15, here's what it says. Intelligent people are always ready to learn. (laughs) It's just, I love Proverbs. It just makes it so simple. Intelligent people are always ready to learn. Their ears are open for knowledge. Do you know how I can determine an intelligent person? They're ready to learn. Their ears are open to knowledge. And so in a, in a, in a good home, you don't have to hear something four or five or six different times. You just know this is the place that I'm learning how to be who I'm supposed to be. And it doesn't mean I'm going to always get it right. But because this is a loving environment, I can learn how to get it right. Can I say something about loving environments very quickly? I thought about this as I was driving down here this morning. Because a lot of times uh, 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 people get fixated on you love me, you love me, you love me, you love me, you love me. Therefore, I can do whatever I want. But if you become a resident of our community, we, we might talk about some things that we don't like. First of all, any parents in the room? Parents, by a show of hands, you have some kids. Do you love those kids? Hands up if you love those kids. Okay. Do you like everything they do? <laughs> those heads went, mm-mm. No. Okay. By you not liking everything they do, does that stop your love for them? In the same way, if you become a resident of Embassy City Church, we love you. But we may not like everything you may do. And if the things that we don't like make you think that we don't love you anymore, where you feel like you don't love me, you're in my business. I don't understand how you could be a part of a family and think you have your own business. It's like, it's like when a teenager thinks that that room, and I don't know when this hits teenagers, somewhere between 13 and 15, sometimes as early as 11, That room that they were not conscious of, we put them in that room with a crib. They grew up in that room. We financed these people. (laughs) They become teenagers. And then they say something crazy like, knock before you come in my room. And it's so weird (laughs) to hear these words 
from a person that doesn't have a job, <laughs> doesn't pay rent, has not contributed to the light bill, wants to drive my car, needs my card for gas for that car. And you have a room? Mm -mm, I have a room. You're borrowing that room. And anytime I want to come in that room, I need a lock on my door. You don't need a lock on anything. Before you get a lock on the door, you wouldn't have a door. I'll take the door off the hinge before I give you a lock for that door. You think you need privacy. You wait till there's a gaping hole in your room and I'm just walking by. You all right in there? Yeah, I'm all right. You know I'm all right. <laughs> I don't have any choice but to be all right. Everybody's in my business. You can learn here, but love doesn't mean we may like everything. It's the same way with God. He loves us. It doesn't mean he likes everything that we do. And so we're learning. We don't have it mastered. So give yourself permission to make a mistake, but then give yourself permission to be humble enough to be corrected when you do. Because in a real loving environment, we have the tough conversations. I always tell people when I do premarital counseling that you can't risk saying, you can't risk, uh, you can't say that you're really in love with a person until you can risk offending them. There's so many people, so many young couples, oh my God, I don't even understand what people be talking about. Like you argue and stuff. We've been together for like four months and we've never argued. I don't even get it. We don't have to. We just love each other straight through it. And I'm looking at them like, keep living. There will be an argument. If you love each other, there will be an argument. I didn't say a cataclysmic blow up. I didn't say we have to shout at each other. I didn't say this has to become a domestic violence issue. But two people trying to come together, there's some stuff that we need to figure out. Do you realize that you've been in your own world for 22, 23 years? This person's been in their own world 22, 23 years, and it can get set off by where you squeeze the toothpaste. just help somebody's relationship right there. <laughs> so just have the conversation because you're trying to learn and in trying to learn you might get it wrong. Don't avoid the conversation, rush headlong into it so we can get resolution and continue to deepen the relationship. I'll say this, relational depth is always on the other side of the argument you're facing right now. If you can get past it, the relationship de deepens. The only people that have surface relationships are the people that don't want to have the tough conversations. The people that have the tough conversations, they love each other deeply because we had it out and we found a way to have it back in again. So learn. Point number three, write this down. Three things I love about being home. I live here. I live here. 
Now, I want to take you to a passage of Scripture that you may, you probably have never even thought or keyed in on this particular chapter, but it's here. I just want you guys to see it. It's Psalm 23. <laughs> Ten people got it. Psalm 23, and I, and I have it memorized. It is so poetic and beautiful uh, in King James and New King James, but, but uh, I, I want to read it in NLT. There's some nuances in it uh, that I want you to see, and uh, hopefully it blesses you. The first thing is, uh, and I'm going to read the whole chapter, uh, but the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. There's something about this that I want you to understand. David uh, is, is trying to give the biggest clue of all time about who he really is and how he really sees himself as the king of Israel. If you were to look in uh, Ezekiel chapter number 34, God refers to Israel's kings as shepherds over uh, the children of Israel. But David makes uh, this bold uh, uh, and some could see as self-deprecating claim that the Lord is my shepherd. And if the Lord is saying that, and, and if David is saying that the Lord is his shepherd, then what he is strongly attempting to imply is that he's a sheep. I think a lot of times for pastors, we get called shepherds a lot. Pastor of the church, you're, you're the shepherd of the flock, and a lot of times we can start allowing that to kind of get into our brains and embed us in a pattern of thought that says, that's right, I'm the shepherd of this church, and that makes the members of this church my sheep. And that couldn't be further from the truth. We're still sheep. The Lord is our shepherd. And we are the sheep of his sheepfold. If you've done any type of reading up on shepherding, what you will find is that the shepherd that has a flock usually has uh, one sheep in the flock that they call the bellwether. Let me give you the, uh, the, the context. Hopefully you can get this and hopefully it's not too strong of an image. It's called the bellwether for two reasons. The bell means there's a bell that is tied around this particular uh, sheep's neck. And weather uh, is uh, what is defined as uh, a castrated male sheep. So the sheep, the, th that particular bellwether uh, has been castrated and placed inside of the flock with the rest of the sheep. Here's the thing that's interesting about that particular sheep. It usually has the most sensitive ears in the whole flock. So the shepherd could be a mile away and all the sheep could be grazing. And the shepherd could call for all the sheep. Sometimes they hear them. Sometimes the flock doesn't, but the bellwether is so tuned in to the shepherd's voice that he'll look up and turn around and start walking in the direction of the shepherd. As it starts walking in the direction of the shepherd, the bell starts ringing. 
And the entire flock turns around and starts following the sound of the bell. The shepherd never has to worry about that particular bellwether sheep doing anything inappropriate with the other sheep because it's been castrated. The tempers and the passions of that sheep have been cut off so it can only focus on the master's voice. So when I say that I'm a sheep, my assignment in this house is to stay cut off from anything that would keep me from hearing the master's voice. I wanted you to have a context of that. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. That's what home should be. Home should be a place where you should feel nourished, where you can get fed, and where there's peace. Is there anybody besides me that does not like drama? I have a huge disdain for drama. I don't mind problems. I just don't like drama. Mm-mm, no, no, I don't like drama. I don't like to come in the house and the first thing I hear is what's wrong. Can we rock first, please? Can we just, just, can we just do the run and jump before anything, before there was a fire or a bill or whatever? Green pastures, peaceful streams, no drama, okay? He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Can I stop here? There's uh, so many people have taken this verse uh, and used it as uh, what I like to call hater theology. If you've never heard of hater theology, it's the theology of uh, God blessing you so that your enemies go, oh, I hate you. So just imagine going to a, a huge banquet and sitting down to eat, and God has brought all your enemies around the table, duct taped their mouth, and hog tied them, and they just have to watch you eat filet mignon. Mm. <laughs> the steak is so juicy. Want some? Oh, can't eat. Mm. As if God gets pleasure <laughs> out of hurting people he's trying to heal. Have you ever considered the fact that the person you hate, God loves? <laughs> Have you ever considered that the person that you want to sick God on, <laughs> he's waiting to sick you on them? to bring them to him. I'm taking my time on this. This is a slow cook. This is crock pot stuff right here. Okay. Can I give you the proper context of he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies? A good shepherd is always going to put a gate or a boundary around his sheep so that they can graze peacefully. There's one place that he 
uh, has at the front of it, there's only one entrance into this particular uh, sheepfold. And when the, president, uh, when, the, when the shepherd puts this uh, gate around, it's to protect the sheep. Now here is why it's written like that. Because the wolves would come. And they see the boundary that they can't get through. And they see the shepherd there with his rod and his staff. The staff is what he uses to hook in his sheep. They start going away. He just, mm, get back over here. Because all of us have dumb moments. Anybody beside me? Dumb moments. Just saved, loved Jesus, had devotion that morning. Three hours later, dumb moment. <laughs> okay, listened to great praise and worship in your podcast. You had a wonderful mix. You're crying. <laughs> Six hours later, you are not the person that was crying. You are screaming, can't believe you tried to do this. It's like, did you even have a quiet time this morning? Okay. Okay. Sheep just get dumb sometimes. Okay. So, so he uses that to hook us. The rod, he can bop wolves with those. He prepares a place for me in the presence of my enemies. I'm in a protected environment, and no matter how much the enemy wants to get to me, I'm connected to a local body of believers that keeps me safe. And the enemy is watching, but he can't get in. That's what that means. So anytime you hear somebody go to that scripture to use it otherwise, just know that's not what that means. And I used to love doing that, Mommy, when I was, uh, my, my, my parents, I got saved in their church, God's Way of Holiness Fellowship Church. And even though I wasn't saved at the time, I always listened to everything that was said. Because my mother uh, taught us devotion from the time we were four years old. So I'd be in the back of the church writing raps, because I thought I was going to be a rapper. I know that shocked some of you all. Um, and I would be writing raps. And uh, like if somebody was up uh, as she was training new people to get up and teach and exhort, they would say some stuff. <laughs> this is so funny to me. They would say some stuff, and I wouldn't even look up. I was like, that is not what that means. <laughs> and I would still be writing, I would still be writing raps. That don't mean that. And they were like, and the Bible says in Proverbs, I'm like, that's Psalms. You were close, but a little bit off still. <laughs> is it over yet? Because I need to go to the beach. Check the word. Don't just listen and say amen. Check the word. There's a reason why we want you to bring your Bibles. There's a reason why scriptures are on the screen. Because I never want to give you points without the word standing alongside of it. If I ever get off track, if my bell ever falls off, bell on me. B-E-L-L. Versus B-A-I-L, okay? I don't want you to think I'm being redundant, okay? But I like wordplay because I'm a wordsmith, so stick, stick with me, okay? Always check the word. The word is our final authority. And so we don't show up. I don't, the worst thing that could ever happen, one of the worst things that could happen with me pastoring this church is for people to walk out of here and say, my pastor said, mm -mm. The scriptures say. And my pastor read the scripture, but here's what the scriptures say. Not my pastor said, the, the scriptures say. Okay. 
You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live, if this never been underlined in your Bible, underline this, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. The three things I love about being home is that I'm loved here, I get to learn here, and I live here. And I'm not talking about dwelling. I'm talking about how I am wired and called to actually live. I get to be my authentic self here. According to the way God has called me to live here, I live here. I become who God has called me to be here. So in the same way, we want you to come here and we want you to live. Like we want you to grow. We want you to become everything that God has called you to be. We don't want you to live in this building. There's so many people that medicate the pain of their lives because they want to address the issues that are going on in their lives. They just come to church as a way of escape. And every time the church door is open, I just need to be at church, need to be at church, need to be at church. And being at church doesn't mean you're in his presence if you're running from the very thing he's called you to address. So it's interesting to me when people say, I just need to be in church, I need to be in church, I need to be in church. And you're not in church, you're in a building. You're the church. So this building won't fix you. So don't get addicted to being in the building. Get connected to being a part of the church. Get healed of whatever you need to get healed of. Get free of whatever you need to get freed of and go be who he called you to be. Welcome home. We have two signs outside. Uh, one is on uh, looking this way, uh, the right and the left, but if you're coming, it's on whatever. So uh, <laughs> one of them says welcome. The other one says home. And uh, when we were trying to get these banners and looking for aesthetics and how do we kind of at least make this school l give it some kind of personality, um, I said, I want these two banners that say, welcome home. And I had a couple of people that they were like, what, what, what? that's kind of weird. What if they only see the welcome one and they don't see the home one? And I'm like, well, people read from left to right. And so if they just do that, <laughs> like with their eyes a little bit, they'll see welcome and like it'll just say welcome home. Like it's not like somebody's just going to be like, welcome <laughs> or like, home. It just says welcome home. And, and I'm really actually saying three things. I'm saying welcome to our visitors. I'm indicating that this is home to our residents. And to prodigals, I'm saying welcome home. I want this to be the safest place for our residents and our visitors to feel like they can grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And since he is our shepherd and he has led us here, let's love here, let's learn here, and let's live here. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And what is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? Maybe you've been praying about 
the opportunity to become a resident of this church. Maybe you visited for a certain amount of time. Maybe you're, you're, you're visiting and, and, and you have a home church and, and you just feel refreshed here uh, and, it, and it just kind of charges you up to go serve at the place that you've been called to serve. Uh, we don't recruit people. The Holy Spirit leads people. And we trust his leadership. Maybe you've come in with church hurt and you've stuck your toes in the water and you're still trying to figure out if it's the right temperature and maybe you're hesitant about getting involved because in the last church I was at, I was hurt over there and there's no perfect church. We're not perfect. But we do strive to create an environment that is full of love where people can learn and where they can live. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And today may be the day that you need to make him Lord of your life. Whatever the situation, as I was talking, I know the Holy Spirit was speaking. And if you need prayer for any reason, in a moment we're going to sing one last song. And at that time we're going to all stand. And if you need prayer for any reason, we just want you to come and get prayer. It's one of the things that we love to do in our home is pray when there's an issue. Last night we had some dear friends over and one of them had a headache and they had given them some Tylenol. And I just said, hey, why don't we just pray for them? And we prayed for them. And they laid down and they got up and they didn't have a headache anymore. That's what happens when you come home. People just throw their arms around you and just start loving on you. That's what we want to be about as a church. So this is what's happening in this community, and I hope it happens in your life. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every person that needs prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand to your feet?